hey there, I um, have another one of these shows where I'm just going to talk into the microphone and, uh, you know, no fancy intro, no guests today. I, I, I've been through a series of very interesting coincidences, and I think I'm one of those people that think coincidences have a purpose. It's just kind of how I reconcile, you know, th this unknown of how the universe works. I'm not going to get all, you know, um, I don't know where your brain explodes because you can't think about things bigger than us. But I have a little anecdote to tell you about how I kind of make sense of the unknown. And this goes back to how I was raised. My mother, who many of you may have heard on one of my shows, uh, we did an interview with her a long time ago, is, well, she taught first grade for her entire I think kindergarten, then first grade. Genius woman. Like, she was like Google before Google. She just knows everything has, like, a good kind of spectrum like me. And she's a film historian, has a master's in film with a focus on film noir, and loves old Hollywood, loves Broadway. And and she was kind of the, um, the seed that planted in my head about old Hollywood pop culture, theater, Buster Keaton, Orson Welles, you know, Humphrey Bogart, Cecil B. DeMille, those types of things. And, and, uh, and, and she played piano as a kid. Funny enough, you know, her, her mother, my, my, my maternal grandparents, one of them was a Holocaust survivor. And I, I guess like, you know, you live a life of austerity because you're so used to being traumatized as a kid. And uh, so she had a piano in her bedroom growing up and on her honeymoon with my dad, <laughs> My grandma threw it out. She came back, moved into her apartment with my dad. They're like, where did the piano go? She said, oh, well, you didn't need it. So she went as many years without a piano until she started teaching. And there was a piano in the kindergarten class. And it kind of got her back on the market, so to speak. And that's why we got a piano in the house when I was in sixth grade. And I was like, what is this? And I started playing. So she also brought me into the world of the origins of television in the 50s, 60s, Sid Caesar show of shows, I Love Lucy, which included learning who Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks were. And I, I just remember the, the wax vinyl albums in our basement with the turntable in the 1970s and 80s. And, and she had bought an album called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. Some of you may, may be familiar with this routine, but the, again, stick with me. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. So Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks were, you know, if you don't know, the, the consummate duo. Carl Reiner passed away a few years ago. Mel Brooks still around. Apparently, History of the World Part 2 is coming out. I can't see how Part 1 has aged well at all if you've watched it, but it's still one of the greatest movies of all time. I hope Part 2 does some justice to that. So where am I going with this? This is where, like, the chemo brain, and then chemo, just like the long-term cancer brain and the aging meet up. Oh yeah. So the 2000 year old man called Ronald Mel Brooks did this ad lib skit on these, these TV shows and Mel Brooks's character was a rabbi who, who got frozen in ice and was thawed out in the 1960s. And Carl Reiner was interviewing him as, as just like a, a, a regular reporter. And it, I think you could find clips of this and whatnot, but some of the questions were just hysterical and in ways that only the two of them could could do. And, and one good example was he asked them, um, like, where did the word shower come from? And he's like, well, it was hot. So the, the water went like a shh. 
and it was ow, it was hot shower shower. I can't do it justice. It's really really good. But but where this all goes back to my dogma with the universe is that um, there was a bit where Carl asked him, uh, "Where did God come from?" Did you live before man believed in the Almighty? Oh yeah, a few years before before. We well, did, did you believe in anything? Did you believe in any yeah. superior being? Yes, a guy, Phil. Well, who was Phil? Who was Phil? Philip. Philip. The leader of our tribe. Philip? Philip. He was the leader. Oh, what yes. made him the leader? Very big, very strong, a big beard, a big chest, and big arms, and I mean, he could kill you. He could and, just and walk you, on you, and you could die. You revered him. And we, were, we prayed to him. You prayed. Why would you like to hear one of our prayers? Oh, I, I could. Do you remember these prayers? Oh, Philip. Please don't take our eyes out and don't... So, oh man. Yes. And, uh, and Philip did these things for you and, yes. you, and you followed him. Yeah, right. But for, How long was his reign? Oh, as a... not too long, not too long, because one day Philip was hit by lightning. Oh. And we looked up and said, there's something bigger than Phil. <laughs> oh, I see so. So if you ever hear me say bigger than Phil, that's how I recognize the universe. There's something bigger than Phil, which goes back to my coincidences that have recently happened. And, and and I guess this is my way of understanding the unknown. I, I tend to look at my coincidences as to how improbable they are. So things like, you know, you see two of the same make model of your cars in the parking lot. That, that, that's, you know, maybe a five or a six, you know, that whole like, I had this song in my head. It was on the radio. You no, know, you probably heard it somewhere. And that's why you think you have a coincidence. So I'll start with one of the, I guess if I had to have like an eight or a nine in the world of the most improbable things that could have ever have happened. So I used to work at an ad agency out of cancer land in the early nineties, late nineties called Harrison star. And it was my first job. My dad, I'm dying on a couch and I have no life. And my dad in some form, mayor Lou said, if you're going to die, die employed. So in those days, you know, in the 90s, you kind of just looked at the Sunday Times one ads, you circled it, you put it on that piece, but you called, you faxed over something by going to your local drugstore and it cost you like nine bucks to fax something. And, you know, the, on the, the rotary yellow phone in the kitchen rang one day and whatnot, things like that. So we got a call the day after I applied for this job on a fax machine on a Monday. And it was like, hey, we want you to come in. I got the job. Long story short. 16 West 22nd Street was the address. Seventh floor, room 700, suite 700. That was it. I was there a long time. That's it. 16 West 22nd Street, seventh floor. Fast forward like, I don't know, like maybe 20 years, 2016, 17. I got a call from a, uh, we put out a scope of work or a, what do they call that? Uh, an RFP for some work at Stupid Cancer. And, uh, we heard from this group. We're like, oh, we'll come check you out. Come, come stop by. And the address was 16 West 22nd Street, 7th floor, suite 700. But that's not the coincidence. I was like, all right, it, the odds were pretty low that uh, the billions of addresses in the city, I'd go back to the exact place I was at in 1995, 6, 7, 8. What blew my mind was that, I mean, just brace yourself for this. While we're waiting for whomever that was, I forget the company, whatever, to come into the, the boardroom, my phone rings and it's my boss, my old boss 
from Harrison Starr, who I had not spoken to in 15 years. My boss, the man who managed me when I was at Harrison Starr in the late 90s, called me. How is that possible that of all the times for him to call me randomly, I'm at the office I worked at where he was my boss? All right. So that, that that's too improbable to be a thing. Smaller things, like I was uh, explaining to my son that every YouTube video he watches is by some creator from the Midwest. So this Jewish kid from Brooklyn talks like he's from Iowa. And he says words like syrup. And you might say syrup and you're wrong. It's syrup. I'm sorry. So we had this whole little chat a couple of weeks ago. Like it's not syrup, it's syrup. And the next morning, the wordle was syrup. So it's like that line in the matrix, would you, would you have broken the vase if I didn't say something? That's kind of weird and creepy, but I have one for you that just literally blew me, like off the charts. You know, it went to 11. And I want to round out this, this, this little, little uh, anecdote for you. So I went to Binghamton for undergraduate and um, I didn't want to be a music major, although I was a concert pianist by that time after high school. I, I wanted like, you know, make a living. <laughs> so I got into their five-year master's program in mechanical engineering. And I just wanted to see where maybe I could play piano on campus. I had no idea what that was like. I wasn't touching the music department, the fit, nothing. My uh, RA, uh, the resident assistant when I got to my dorms, uh, is a woman named Sarah Oakton. And uh, I casually asked her like on day or two or three after she introduced herself, went through, you know, um, orientation. Is there somewhere around this campus I could play piano? I'm a pianist. I'd love to play piano. Man, did I hit bedrock gold. She happened to be the um, TA for the entire Theater 101, Theater 102, Theater 103 music repertory group. Bingo. Her faculty mentor was a professor, Susan Peters, Dr. Susan Peters, who was this luminary genius, pianist, Broadway thespian, actor, set designer, stage manager, sight reader, perfect pitch woman. And they needed talent to perform for the theater troops as rehearsal pianists for the opera company. Um, someone to orchestrate for the jazz band, for the acapella groups. And I just fell down this rabbit hole because of Sarah. And uh, this rabbit hole led me to change my major, much to, the, to possibly the chagrin of my parents. It, it, I became a music major and a theater major with a computer science minor just because there was some interesting things I liked about engineering, programming, coding, things like that. And... Um, Anyway, so that's Sarah. We've been inseparably, karmically, the best of friends since my second day of college in 1992. So here we are 30 years later, or almost 31 years later this year, 2023. And um, she called me a couple of months ago that she had breast cancer. I think she's two years older than me. So I'm 48 as of this recording. She, I think she must be 51. She calls me. She's breast cancer. Obviously, I mean, I, I've been living in this 
fuckery for so long in my career and my, my life and whatever. And I, I, I hate to say it this way, but you get a little numb to it. I have absolute empathy and sympathy and compassion. And, and I still get calls from people all the time. What do I do? And I'm, I'm happy to open up my Rolodex and talk to this doctor here, talk to this reimbursement specialist here, or a navigator here, this nonprofit organization. It, it's, it's my remit in this life, 27 years cancer-free now. So, of course, I opened up the Wellspring for Sarah, and she's getting phenomenal care in Atlanta. We text back and forth. She lost her hair. I love her. She's beautiful, long, blonde hair. She comes from British descent. I went to Boxing Day at her house. The Jewish kid went to Boxing Day at her house uh, in Long Island every single year from 92 to God knows how many years ago until she moved. And that was it. Like, we're just following each other. Sidebar. All of this is leading back to the same route. So my kids who have been on the show, most of you know my kids, Kobe and Hannah, as of this recording, their bar mitzvah is one month away. I just like, I'm full of nachas as I talk to you right now. So they made some really good friends in sixth grade. And the two of them, just they bonded with this other two kids, this boy Jacob and his sister Bella. Tragically enough, they had to move, which is, I remember one of my best friends moved in sixth grade and I was like, it was the worst thing in the world. Where are we going? Dad got a new job and they, and they moved out to like Bumblefuck, Long Island. That's a real city in, in, um, in Suffolk County. Bumblefuck, Google it, Bumblefuck, Long Island. Way out on the, I don't know, on the, on the South Fork and uh, whatever. It was recently Jacob's birthday, and his dad called and said, we'd love Kobe and Hannah to join us for his 13th birthday. I'm like, I'm going to be a good dad, drive two hours, drop them off, spend the day figuring out what the hell to do in Bumblefuck, Long Island, and pick them up later on. So sure enough, it's it's uh, we've been preparing for this long trip. I, I friends out there, we figured out that there was some calculus that I could uh, I could do to hang out for 12 hours in, in the middle of nowhere. And uh, that was it. All set to drive them out to, you know, the two-hour drive in the southern state to whatever that, that other road is. And uh, I got a text from Sarah on, like, Saturday night at, like, 10 p.m. She's, like, thinking about you because I'm visiting my dad in Long Island. I've kept this secret. I just kind of surprised him, and I'm flying back tomorrow. And I was, like... That's amazing. I'm so glad your dad's doing well. He remarried. Everything's wonderful for her. She's on a chemotherapy respite. She's got energy. She's doing a quick day trip. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be on Long Island tomorrow. Uh, when do you fly out? Because it was obviously Islip Airport, if you know that. I think it's MacArthur, whatever. And she's like, oh, I fly out at like um, 1230. And I, I looked at the map and I, I was like an hour from that airport, like way out in Long Island, an hour from that airport. And I said, look, could I like maybe meet you at the airport and just hug you when you can go on your way? And she's like, all right, let me see. Let me see what I can do. I'm staying with my dad. And I said, well, where's your dad's house? You moved out of, I forget where they were. Like they were near the border of Queens somewhere. And, uh, she sent me a, an image, a, 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 like a screenshot of Apple Maps about her dad's house. 
And it was across the street from the house I was dropping my kids off at for the birthday party. Across the fucking street. How the hell could this be reality? This is something bigger than Phil. And I I cried. I was weeping when I saw that map on my phone that I get to see my best friend, this karmic human that I have this eternal bond with, who's going through cancer treatment now, out of the most random fucking happenstance of improbability on this planet and in this universe. And I said to her, you're not going to believe this. And I told her what's going on. And she was, I mean, the sore text, she was weeping too. So sure enough, <clears throat> I'm getting choked up. Took the two-hour drive to the house my kids were getting dropped off at. Parked the car, walked literally like five houses away, knocked on the door and saw Sarah in all her gorgeous baldness. Saw her dad, met her new mother-in-law, some neighbors were over there, and I had the most extraordinary day. It's like, you know, when you make all the green lights, quintuple that times Googleplex. And I drove her to the airport. We were in the car for an hour. We hugged at the airport, said goodbye to her. And I can't reconcile, maybe I shouldn't have to, as, as our brains aren't equipped for this level of <laughs> how the hell? And I, I just wanted to share that with all of you because it's it's important that we look at the small things, but when the big things happen, there's something bigger than Phil. So I want to thank Mel Brooks, sponsor of this little rant today for you. The late Carl Reiner, maybe Norman Lear. I think they were they were a bit of a trinity. My mom for telling me all about this stuff. I would not know about Phil without her. Friendships matter. Relationships matter. Find the people in your life who matter. We get one of these. You know, only so many trips around the sun, as my dad would say, and every day above the grass, as he would also say, is a good day. Thank you so much for being amazing, for hearing me. You are all seen. You are all heard. We are here. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Out of Patience with Matthew Zachary is an Offscript Health production. The executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. It's mixed and edited by Kyle Moore. If you like the show, ratings and reviews are always welcome. Leave us a message anytime at 855-AUDIO-66. That's 855-AUDIO-66 to share your healthcare shitness with us. And we might just play them on the air on a future episode. For more information about this show and Offscript Health, visit offscript.com. That's offscript, no T, dot com.